card or can make requests. Uh, a lot of things going on in our church. Next weekend, we're going to have a little special thing on video talking about the women's retreat. But I just looked out there at the uh, visitor center, and there were many women that have already signed up. It's not too late, is it, women? So, no, there you go. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, there's a Fair Worker Outreach Day coming up, and I hope you'll take an opportunity to do that. There's a number of people that signed up for that to give out cold water in Jesus' name. That's always a lot of fun, and it makes a mark on the community. So I hope you'll maybe choose to do that or just be a part of Bible study or some things that we're doing here on campus. Let me tell you, there's a video coming, and I love children, and so do you, don't you? Amen. I heard one proud granddaddy. Did you hear that? Amen. Yeah. And that little voice says, yeah, I love kids. They're pretty cool. Okay. Well, this next video, I, I tell you, there's this video, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm working on for Christmas that I've been working on since last Christmas, and we're having a hard time getting the file. Uh, these people, I don't tell you who it is. It's just incredible. Well, anyway, somebody sent me this other thing, and it's a different topic. And this child, I'm going to tell you, she stole my heart. And that's okay, Donna. It's just a little bitty girl. And uh, she is so cute. Reminds me of our little girls probably when they were little. But this little girl has a grasp on the Word of God. And it kind of pertains to what we're doing today. But this is our transitional video. I want you to watch, give thanks, think about what you're going to do with your kids, and you can even laugh. Thanks for sending Bible. Yeah, so, right here. This is my shepherd. Can you say the 23rd Psalm? The world is my shepherd. I said not long, he messaged me to our darling green pastures. Leave me beside the still water and restore my soul. Leave me in the path of our sisters for his same sake. Yea, you are all through the valley of shadow of death. I will feel that evil, but thou with me. The ward and our staff that come from me. It's just a palace to take away for me in the presence of our enemies. I know it's my head is oil. My cup runs over. To regardless of mercy, so follow me all the day of my life. I will dwell in the heart of the world forever. Pretty amazing kid. What is it, smarter than a fifth grader? I don't know how old that little girl is, but man, she had command. She was precious. Well, this morning, I want to start with, uh, here it is. I brought a little prop. I, I used to be known as a prop pastor. I hadn't done a prop in a while, so I got a prop today. Anytime I do these, my wife gets nervous because she doesn't know what I've brought from the house. This did not come from the house. This is from the church. What is this church? Wait a minute, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. If you're, if you're 18 years and under, and under, 18 years and under, what is this? A what? <laughs> That's what I thought you'd say. Okay, if you're an 18-year-old to be an old geezer, what is this? A photo album. You see, they don't know because they've never seen one. I got to thinking with digital cameras and digital frames in our church, in the future, and already has happened, nobody knows what this is. They just thought, oh, it's Pastor Keith. He's got a big red Bible. It's not a Bible. It's a photo album. And photo albums, you, you remember when we used to have these in our houses? Now they stay in your closet. Yeah, great place. Anyway, here's pictures of the early church here at Ryan Road as we were forming. And I just look on here, and I see how people have grown up. I've seen how some people have gone from brown-headed to gray-headed. Uh, no, yeah, whatever. And just different transformation of lives. I even see some... They're in heaven today. 
uh, just an amazing thing. But a photo album, what does a photo album do? It gives you a snapshot of things that have happened in your family, in your life. Things that you hold precious to you, things that you value, you put in a photo album. Or you put them on your computer or whatever, however you keep up with those devices today. But a photo album. But when I'm reading Matthew 5, it's kind of a photo album of Jesus. It's a snapshot of some things that the Savior wants to give to you and me. So I want to invite you this morning, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at the fourth verse today. This is a little frustrating for some because you like when I cover long passages of Scripture. But in these six weeks in this series called Attitude, this is for people to be able to look at and to see and go, okay, we're just kind of looking at a verse a week, but we're going to dive into the attitude, into the heart of Jesus and, and what Jesus wants us to look like, what he, he wants our lives to reflect. And, and these things are, are, are a paradox in nature. It, it, it says this, but it really means this. There's a lot deeper meaning than what we just see on the surface. And, and it seems confusing. And, and a lot of times when I read Jesus, his words... He reverses the way we look at something. It, it appears this way, but it really means this. And that's one of the reasons we do Bible study in the church. But I just thought this would be kind of fun. A photo album, a snapshot of what the Lord wants to do. In Matthew 4, right before the chapter I'm going to preach on today, there's some words that say, repent, that means turn, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is nearer than we are to one another it's in our hearts when we have faith and trust in jesus christ there is provision here in the beatitude we looked at last weekend blessed are the poor in spirit and we talked about our condition of realizing the realization that we're a needy people that we're undone that we need the work of grace the work of christ and we come to god not self-righteous if we do we've not come to god but we come humbly and broken, that song we sang, sweetly broken. That's how we come to the Lord if we really genuinely come to Him biblically. And He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But today, He just builds on that a little bit. I, I like this. And today what He says is, look at it. God, in the NLT, a little different translation, it says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I, I walked around this morning. I walk around all the time and I see people, and I see people that are happy. And joyful and i see people that are despondent and sad and bruised and broken and contrite i see people in a hey we just had a baby hey we just got a job hey i just passed an exam hey i just got a new major hey this this all these things happen and other people tough week horrible week awful week week stunk Wheat was filled with pain, disappointment, bad news, bad reports, life's family falling apart. And Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. And he didn't say, hey, blessed are those that mourn. Because you look at it, you go, huh? Blessed are those that cry? Mm -hmm. Because he goes on to give a promise. Blessed are these that mourn, for they shall be left alone. That's not what Jesus said. He said, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be, they shall be comforted. Man, that is great words. You know, I was thinking about my own life. 
at the age of nine. I've told many of you this before, but it's my story, so I'll tell my story. At the age of nine, just a couple months before, people started dying in our family. My uncle died. Two weeks later, my grandmother died. Six weeks later, my mom and my grandfather were killed in the accident that I was the only survivor. Lots of mourning in our home in 67 and 68. So I learned about this mourning thing. Now, I didn't have Jesus. So getting comfort and getting strength was very difficult. People tried hard. I'm sure the local church was praying for me, and I'm sure that made a huge difference. But I know what it is to mourn. This past week, I didn't know the young girl, but I know her mom. And I know her grandmama. But last weekend, as that beautiful Virginia Jacks left the ball game, her life was shortly ended at the age of 17 as she was killed. And I shared it with a lot of people this week, and I've prayed for her family over and over, and I've even shed some tears of thinking, I can think of nothing greater than the loss of a child. Nothing greater. Everything tells me experientially, and it tells me pastorally, Man, divorces are horrible and hard. The death of your parents is horrible and hard. Been through, not divorce, but I've been through losing both my parents. But I've never lost a child, praise God. Every time the phone rings, see if there's anybody who understands this. Every time my phone rings, at certain hours, uh, I get a shortness of breath. Do I have a witness? Because it's usually not people saying, Pastor, I just won the lottery. Pastor, I just came into all this money. Could I bring a million-dollar tithe this weekend? That has never happened. If it does, I'm sure I'll probably have cardiac arrest over that because that'll be interesting. But usually they call to tell you bad news. But usually what I do is I think of my two girls. Automatically, boop, are they okay? Are they okay? And sometimes they just get excited and they just tell me about what's going on. And sometimes there is a little something happening. And that's okay. But Jesus understands brokenness. He understands death. Do you know, one day, Jesus had a great friend. His name was Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. Lazarus died. Lazarus laid in a grave. Lazarus stinketh. <laughs> That's what he says. He stuck. I mean, he was laid, he wrapped up in the grave clothes and laid in there. I've, I've been in his tomb when I went to Israel. It didn't stink, though. But here's the good news. And Jesus was sad, not because he didn't have the authority over life and death, not because he knew what was going to happen, but he was just sad because all his friends were sad, and he loved Lazarus, and they hung out together, and he was speaking into the life of Lazarus, and, and, and Jesus was just saddened. And, and the shortest verse in all the Bible says, Jesus, y'all yeah, just memorize the verse of Scripture. That is just absolutely amazing. I mean, you can't, you can't contend with a little girl that just quoted the 23rd Psalm. Somebody said, Oh, she was reading it. No, I don't think she had the ability to read. She just memorized it. But Jesus knows when you and I hurt. Jesus knows the grief process a lot better than we do. Matter of fact, he knows how to help us through it. And, and I want you to write this down. The soul can ache and the heart can break, but Jesus comes to comfort. You know, there's lots of thoughts that run around mourning, and typically it always tends to end up around death or a period of mourning. And where you express grief, will Jesus be there? And certainly he will be over and over. But Jesus understands grief. The, the reality is there will be sorrow in this world, and there always will be. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. 
So this morning, whatever disappointment, whatever failure, whatever death, death of a vision, death of a person, death of a dream, whatever it is, Jesus is there. And ever since the garden, since things got messed up because of sin being introduced, Jesus has been a comforter. He comes. I want you to look at the message truth with me. It says, happiness does not come in the morning itself, but in with what God does in response to the morning with forgiveness. In other words, that's just a really an act of grace. God begins to teach us something. And in our morning, one of the goals is we should learn about the character of God, but we should learn about our character. Our character should be revealed as, as we grieve, as, as we hurt. We don't hurt as those that don't have hope. Um, you, we get touched by an event, and, and we mourn. Jesus is there. We're touched by the brokenness in somebody else, and maybe, I, like, here it is. I want to ask you, what makes you happy? Well, your car cranked this morning. Did it make anybody happy? Yeah. You had something to eat when you got up, or, or you came to church, and you had some free coffee, and you had a pastry. Hey, that makes you happy. You had a great vacation this summer. Man, that made you happy. Does anybody ever go on vacation and you just wished it wouldn't end? I wish the sun would stop and we would just stop at that place. But it, it never seems to do that. You know, it ends and you have to go back to regular life. Hey, here's one. Your family's healthy this morning. That's reason to give thanks and to be happy because Christ is there. But I was thinking about what happened this summer one day. We were coming back from some friends at the lake and... Uh, my wife needed this pair of shoes. She really didn't need a pair of shoes. I mean, I, I'm not saying she wanted. She needed this pair of shoes to match her ensemble or whatever, and uh, and that's what I call it. And uh, and she says they're having this really big sale. I said okay. And I'm not a mall person. I, I shop because my girls like to shop, but it's just not my favorite pastime. But we went shopping that day, and we walked in, and I praised God for my iPhone because I, I, I pass a lot of time with my iPhone when I go shopping. But anyway, so I was standing there, and my wife came over in about 25 minutes, and she was ecstatic. She was oh, unbelievable. I mean, she is the queen of shoppers. She, she's the best steward. I mean, she just has taught her girls that. And she comes up, she goes, I got a deal. I'm thinking, what, did they give them to you? Almost. She got a $100 pair of shoes, 90% off. That is 10 bucks. I just stood there going. I mean, these are name brand, expensive, rocking shoes that she wanted. She got them for $10. I know y'all, you girls are going, what's her number? I'm calling her. I'm going shopping on that one. It was just a God thing. I think God smiled on that woman. He gave her favor. And that made her happy. Now, that happiness doesn't last because you get them scuffed and, you know, you mess them up and you need something else. And it's like getting a new car, man. You get a new car, you get a new house, you get a, a new rifle, you get a new guitar, whatever it is. You get something new, you're thinking, man, it is all good. Well, for a little bit. And then the circumstances change. But here, what makes you happy? I hope it's your relationship with Jesus here. And I, I just, I wrote down this thought. Our attitude of joy gets robbed by blank write that in there you're you got to write this in this is bonus your attitude of joy gets robbed by something it, it could be different for every one of us in this room or a lot of us would line up and say this robs me of joy this robs me of happiness this robs me of peace and yet i think this meaning of blessed are they that mourn it's definitely associated with death it's definitely associated with possessions and things but i learned something as i was studying in Jewish culture, there in the days when Jesus walked the earth, when a, when a person died, people would hurt on the inside just like we do today. They would grieve. They would mourn. They, they knew what it was to mourn, and sometimes they would wail. 
And they would mourn for a long period of time. But it goes on to say that one of the things the Jewish people would do, they, they would cut their clothes and tear it right above the heart. Just kind of cut it. And that would symbolize my heart is torn. My heart is heavy. My heart is broken. And I'm torn over this ordeal. And it was probably associated with death or something. But they were broken. And this morning I started to do that, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I was going to come here with a shirt, but I figured all day everybody would be going, why does your shirt look like that, man? Why don't you go get another one? And I said, I'm just not going to do it. But, but can you imagine us today if you walked up and you just went, ugh, brokenness, mourning in their house because their shirt was torn right here over the heart. I thought, man, that, that's a good picture of, of brokenness. That's a good picture of mourning. Because I know this, we all mourn. We, we mourn over things in this life, and there's a season for this, there's a season to laugh, there's a season to cry. How many of you are glad that the, the mourning doesn't continue? Joy comes in the morning. How many times have I woken up from a, a tough situation, and God's rescue, God's restoration, God's answer, God's hope, God's healing came to my life, came to yours. I, I was thinking about we don't grieve without hope because we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit. It's what Scripture teaches. The other things I learned about Jewish culture is if they didn't tear the shirt above their heart, they would dress in sackcloth to show, woe is me, I'm broken, I'm undone, things are hurting. Or here's the third thing they did. They would cut their beard, their facial hair. And somebody like if you, like Garrett, I noticed you've come back with beard, bro. Yeah. And so if you wake up in the morning and you just shave, it could be Kelly made you, or it could be that, hey, I'm sad today. I'm, I'm just shaving, you know. But it's interesting as we look at history, why people do that, that they cry, they mourn. Let me say this to you. Sometimes men, I don't know what it is, it's our ego, we need to check it at the door. Real men don't cry. Bull! Real men show emotion. And the body of Christ said, I think it's cool. I mean, I don't just get all jacked up. I mean, I cry at Hallmark commercials, and I cry when things are moving. I cry about strong testimonies, and I cry when puppies die, and I cry. But I, I profusely cry when humans hurt. I don't cry enough over sin, though. And that's really the heart of this passage today. Jesus wants us to mourn over our undoneness. Jesus wants us to mourn over our sin the thing that Jesus went to the cross for. We'll mourn because we've lost something, but what about when we lose fellowship with God? Do we mourn? Oh, God, give us hearts like that. You know, I think about when we see these situations in our world, earthquakes, tornadoes, death of children, whatever, we, we mourn. But sin is death. The wages of sin are death. The torn heart, we feel the grief. Sin wrecks us. When we sin against a holy God, do we mourn? I'm afraid in our day and age, sometimes we do, but most times we don't. We just like, God, give me forgiveness. Give me grace. Quickly amend that, Lord. Make it right. Cover me by your blood. And he does cover us by the blood of Christ. I'm grateful for that. But we're not contrite over our sin. We just tend to go on. You know, we, uh, we should grieve, but we have hope through the grieving process in Christ. Um, I want you to turn over to Psalm 6 with me. Will you do that? Turn over to Psalm chapter 6. See if I can find this passage. Psalm chapter 6. 
The psalmist is full of emotions and full of being honest and raw to God. But I want you to move down there to verse 6. Psalm 6, verse 6. The psalmist says, I am worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears. Let's, let's just stop there. Do you think this person's sad? Man, they are like, whoo, they need some medicine. You know what I'm saying? My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Y'all, that is wonderful news. When we mourn biblically, the Lord God of heaven hears your cry. I told you a few weeks ago, I love the story of Bartimaeus. He cried out to Jesus and Jesus stopped in his tracks. But the scripture teaches when you and I are broken before God, he hears and he consoles and he comforts and he strengthens. This might be a message that you're going to have to go online and listen to it in three months or six months or a year from now or maybe today, hear it again. I don't know. We're all going to be in a season where we're going to mourn about something. We're going to mourn about the death of people in our fellowship here. We're going to mourn about the death of people we love dearly. But God gives an answer here. In Isaiah 61, 2, he says, Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. God promises to comfort. Now, let's move to this. Get ready to write this in quickly. Three things to do when you're in pain. Because maybe you're in pain. Realize God is with me. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is very near to a people that are laid out trembling before him, that are broken over their sin. They, they realize that they have sinned against God. God is with us in our pain. He's aware. The Bible says that God even numbers our tears. Wow. So God knows that when I hurt, God knows when I grieve. Oh, man, he does. He even collects them. And, and this morning you might say, well, Keith, I'm full of joy right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But even if you were tearful today or you get tearful, blessed be the name of the Lord. Find comfort in him. He says, I care deeply. I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. I'm your tower. I'm your strong tower. Run into me and I'll give you rest. I think about the touch of a child. When your child comes in from school and they're hurting and they're crying and somebody, the bully, talked about them at school or they talked about you, you go, buck up, kid. Get tough. You're a lousy parent if you do. You put them up on your knee and you console them. And you go, tell me the name of their dad. I'll beat him up. That's what you think. Or here it is. Your little girl, your little boy comes in and the knee is bleeding. Not profusely, just a little blood. <laughs> Tired so bad. And you come in and you pick them up. Kiss him. Yeah, that's what I want to do, kiss blood. And you lean in and you kiss it and you hold them. And then, you got any Band-Aids? Big one, big pink one. Yeah, put that Band-Aid. It's all better now. Then they walk out of the house. Skip it. You know, just all good. I've been there, man. But what does a dad or mom have the ability to do? Comfort. Care. How much more does Heavenly Abba care? He just wants to hold you in his lap today. Physically, it won't happen, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally, it does happen if you have an intimate walk with Christ. And when you hurt, he goes, oh, I know. I died for that pain. 
And blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. But you know, we get hurt. The second thing is we release the hurt. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past, says Isaiah 43, 18. Stop focusing on what's lost. Let go of the things that are behind you. Press on to know your God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't rehearse it. Don't uh, just continue to hold on to that hurt. God somehow takes the hammer and the chisel of his love, of his word, and he helps conform, shape us to the image of Christ through our brokenness, through our pain, and we get better when we put Christ in the center of our pain, church. And I'm just warning this morning, you go, man, I've done that, and I am victorious when I do that. But then if I try to take it on myself, I try to handle it, I try to resist God, I try to get stubborn, I try to be obstinate, I try to push away from God. Listen to Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. When you trust in God, He cares for you. But when you trust in your flesh, you leave Him no room to really care and to show and reveal His heart. But blessed are they that mourn. In uh, Romans 12, 19 from the Living Bible, he says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Look at this. God says, I'm going to take care of this revenge thing. You don't have to deal with it. Just offer it to me. Release it to me. Aren't you all glad that we don't have to do justice and we have to make things right in this world? You're like, well, no, I, I try to help God all the time. No, God doesn't need our help. God is quite capable. Matter of fact, he likes it better when we don't try to involve. And look at the next one. So we release our hurt. He's good to us. We allow Christ to do that beautiful work. And the third is we rely on God's power. We just rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. I like what Romans 15, 13 says from the Phillips translation. It says it a little different. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope. Oh, God of comfort, fill me, fill us with joy and peace. God, come alongside us. Help us. And Lord, don't let me turn to pills. Don't let me turn to drugs or alcohol. God, don't let me turn to an affair. God, don't let me turn to something dumb. God, let me turn to you. That's what's wrong with this world. That's why there's so many affairs going on in the church, outside the church. That's why there's so many drug addicts and alcoholics and, and people taking prescription pills and not whatever. And, and we're just doing all kinds of other things because we're not turning to God. And God wants us to turn to Him, church. God has always been meant to be the one that so, solves our problems. I'm not against medicine. Hey, I, I think it's there. I think God uses that. That's not what I said. But for us to try to take control of the situation and prescribe medication to ourselves and get illegal and all these things. It's just God's like, I'm sad. Look at point A. Fill it in quickly. Grieve deep over your sin. Just grieve deep. God, may my sin today drive me to my knees. Write that down. When was the last time sin drove you to your knees? When you were just sick and tired of sinning against the majesty of heaven. And you said, God, I'm sorry. I want to live in freedom. Point B. We must choose not to stay in sin. It is a choice as a Christ follower, as one that has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. For those that trust in Christ, we can repent. We don't have to stay there. We can come face to face with who he is and face to face with who we are. And say, Lord, 
by the power of your might, by the power of your spirit, I choose not to stay here. Because the wrath, the Bible says, the wrath of God has been poured out on his son, Jesus Christ. And for him, we have the forgiveness and perpetuation of our sins. And that is the best news I've come to tell you, is that your sin, my sin against holy God, has been atoned for at the cross. And when I trust in Christ, Christ covers my sin completely. Is that good news today, church? But what about my sin? Do I grieve? Well, no, I mean, it's already been taken care of. We need to go back to the cross. We need to, Lord, lead us back to the cross. Lord, let us see your love. Listen to what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 7, 10. For the kind of sorrow God wants to experience leads us away from sin, but it results in salvation. That's what we want. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, which results in spiritual death. If you want to die spiritually, then don't repent. But if you want to live a righteous, upright, holy life before an awesome God, repent. Godly sorrow leads to change. It leads to life change. It leads to transformation. And Christ works in your life. That's the kind of sorrow God wants us to have. He wants us to mourn. He says, blessed are they that mourn, for I will comfort you with my spirit. God promises at that level or that point to come in and touch us. But true sorrow, remember this, true sorrow will always lead to joy. True biblical mourning sorrow will always lead to the byproduct of joy. And when we're not biblical and we're not really repentant, we don't really get all the comfort that God intends for us to have. And I'm not saying getting sorry, we're sorry because we get caught. Anybody ever get sorry because you got a ticket, you got stopped for speeding, and man, you just, oh, I'm just so sorry, officer. I did just not mean to run 85 miles an hour. I'm just so sorry. You're lying. You did mean to go 85. You thought you were doing 90, but 85, okay. You're sorry because you got caught because it's going to cost you in your wallet. But God says, I want you to be sorry for your sin. Even Because, you know, we don't always, like, get caught in this life in our sin that everybody sees our sin, but God does. And God says, confess it. Move on with me. I like what Romans 4, 8 says. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Listen to this. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. God promises joy when he cleanses us. Look at C. Eliminate the hindrances. Whatever it is in your life, it's keeping you from great fellowship. It's resisting the spirit of God. You become stubborn to his word. Let, let me just say this this morning. If you don't really love God's word, listen. I don't want you to, well, I do want you to question it. If you don't have a hunger for God's word, would you question your salvation? Did you hear that from this platform this morning? Those that are truly biblically saved, I believe, get a love for the word of God. And God's people said, I don't think you could be a thriving, growing believer in the Lord Jesus without having a hunger and a love for the word of Jesus Christ. You say, wait, 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 pastor, I I pray. No, 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 I I didn't say that. Do you love God's word? Because that leads to the next point. I want you to write this. You, You can't miss this. This is critical. It says, find comfort in his word. If you're a person that's mourning, you're a person that's sorrowed, you say, God, I find comfort in your word. Lord, I love it. Listen to what Psalm 119.25, I lie in the dust, revive me by your word, O God. Psalm 119.52, I will meditate on your age-old regulations, O Lord. They comfort me. All through the scripture, just go do a study sometime. Go through the scripture and see the word comfort. How many times the word comfort is used and in what context is the word comfort used? And so many times you see it, it's for those that will trust in him fully. 
Oh God, show us how to trust you. Lord, praise be to you. I like this is my favorite verse on comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You can't comfort somebody else with something you don't have. But when you have the comfort of the Holy Ghost, when you have the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you have the comfort of God's Word filling your life, you have something to give. Let me tell you what happened the other day in Bible fellowship. Somebody came in and told me this, and this is why I encourage you to get in a small group, and I encourage you to consider our Sunday school Bible fellowship on Sunday mornings. Listen, somebody came out the other day, and they came to me, and they said, I want you to know something about Jeff Bush. I said, okay, tell me something. They said, that young man loves the Word of God. He has meditated on the Word of God. The Word of God flows out of that young man, and he has something to say as an overflow. And that's why when he steps on this platform, it is an overflow as he leads us to the throne of grace. And we just put our hands together and thank God for this young man. Amen. That's right. It's an overflow. It's what God's doing. And that's what's true for every believer. If Christ is framing you, working in you, you've found his word to be meaningful and to be uh, something that changes your life, then you have something to give to others, and we give that comfort. Oh, God, help us to mourn over sin. Pain, mourning. You know, I was thinking about all through Scripture what it says and the comfort of his word, but then I thought about the pain and mourning that one day there'll be no more violence, no more destruction, no more cancer, no more death. Turn to Revelations 21. Will you turn there? You're saying, man, you just went a long ways, Pastor. You turned it to the back of the book. I think it's Genesis uh, 3 through about Revelations 20. You see redemption. You see the restoration of fallen man. But then in Revelation 21, oh, my goodness, just in uh, chapter 19, the, the top it's called Hallelujah. That sounds good. But in 21, he begins to talk about the new Jerusalem. And he says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he'll be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Glory to God. Is that awesome? That's the hope for those that are in Christ. And here it is. I don't want you to think, well, he forgot. Well, it says it here in Revelations, but look at Revelation 7, 17. Fill it in. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When we're with him, when we go to heaven, there'll be no more need for sorrow. There'll be no more need for mourning over our sin. For there'll be no sin. We shall be like him as he is. So, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. And, Lord, in that we have hope. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Right now, I'm going to do something. I, wanna, I don't want you to turn there, but I want you to, I want the lights to come down. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to bow your hearts before the king. And I want you to listen to 
the words of the Lord Jesus. Listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah. I just want you to hear this old passage. Isaiah 53, 3 and following. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Isaiah is talking about Jesus. Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried out our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us a soul that would respond to this message of the gospel. Lord, give us courage to respond in any way that we see fit, whether it's to follow you in baptism, whether it's to follow you in joining this church, or whether it's to follow you to make you the Lord of our life, or maybe it's to come back from a backslidden condition. But Lord, I pray that we would see you were afflicted, that we might live. You took upon your life our punishment, that we can live abundant and eternal. God, thank you for the power of the gospel today. I pray that the gospel has gone forth today with clarity, with power. And Lord, that we would mourn, that we would grieve. But yes, joy cometh in the morning because our God knows how to restore. Our God knows how to renew. Our God knows how to make all things new in Christ. Make us new even now. I pray that people across the living room now are making prayers of faith. I pray people are receiving Christ personally, that you would share that with the staff or with your elders. But right now, I think uh, Jeff and Mo are back in place. And this is how we're going to close today. I'm going to invite you all to stand to your feet right now. This is one of my all-time favorite songs of Christ Community in the first 14 years. It has a line in there about, oh, God of Jacob. And, man, I get so fired up every time I hear this line. But the service is not over. Right now, is a, you can see on the screen, make this your prayer. Make this our benediction. But worship the Lord Jesus.